This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we give you a full preview of Vanderbilt's matchup at Northern Illinois on Saturday. It's the Huskies and the Commodores at 2.30 p.m. Central Time from Husky Stadium in DeKalb, Illinois, on the CBS Sports Network. Can the Doors bounce back after the loss to Wake Forest? And more importantly, can Mike Wright, the leader and heartbeat of this team, bounce back and show he's better than what he played last week against Wake Forest? We'll answer those questions, plus give you a deep dive into NIU, three keys to a Commodore victory, and our predictions. We've got all that and much more coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Commodore Nation, let's ride. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who bleed black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome into the Door Report. It is episode 179. It is a Thursday night, September 15th, 2022. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, family owned and operated for more than two decades. Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors. Since 1995, Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service. From a one-man one shop to a team of 23 professionals, they share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. If you're interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue over in Barry Hill, or you can call them at 615-356-0303 or log on to alacofinewoodfloors.com. Alaco Finewood Floors, serving Middle Tennessee's hardwood flooring needs since 1995. And, Will, let's dive right into it. NIU. Vanderbilt and the Huskies this weekend, 2.30 p.m. Central Time kickoff on CBS Sports Network. We will dive deep into the Huskies, their roster as much as we can, as much as we do know about them, and we'll get to our three keys to a Commodore victory. No guests today. Uh, the guest we wanted to have on just caught uh, coronavirus, so I guess that's still Thanks, going COVID. <laughs> but uh, Shorter episode today, but, uh, but Will, it's kind of a weird feeling heading into this game. I, I don't know... I have no clue what to expect in this game. Uh, we don't know much about NIU in terms of who they've played so far. We know more about Vandy, obviously. But at this point, Will, in this game, I don't have a clue. I'm, I'm clueless. We are very similar to Vegas and all the bookmakers, and we don't know because the line has slowly shifted down. I got Vanderbilt at about plus 126. Uh, right after we did the recap wow. of the Wake Forest game, and now they're down to about plus 110. So some of the money's coming on Vanderbilt now on that side, I guess. Late, late and, uh, moved that line down. But, yeah, I mean, both these teams have played pretty – teams that we don't know a lot about, yeah. and they're both one and one. Or I guess – I mean, technically Tulsa – they're both one and one, yeah. Yeah, technically. <laughs> uh, I guess not one and one, but – I'm not. I'm saying it's F FBS opponents is right. what I'm getting yeah. at here, is because I just kind of take the FCS out of the out of the equation, even if right. Vanderbilt failed on that one last year, failed on that uh, undefeated record. But NIU played against Tulsa, lost a tough one, uh, came back from a pretty large deficit. We'll get into that a little bit, and then they struggled with their FCS opponent in Week One. So really, when going back and watching the replays of these NIU games, they had stretches where they looked horrible. And they had stretches where they looked like a very, very, very good uh, non-Power 5 FBS football team. So I don't know what to think because Vanderbilt has done the same thing throughout week zero, week one, and week two. 
So this is a deep dive breakdown, and I think we're really going to be kind of deciding how we see this game playing out as we record this podcast here. Yeah, well, it, this is such a turn for this this team this season. I mean, it, it, if you go out, you, you win this game, it's like, okay, you know, you're sitting at three and one, and, you know, from this point on, you know, you got SEC gauntlet. So this is a huge game for Vanderbilt, and, uh, you know, we're going to dive into all of it, Will. Before we get to that, though, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report Instagram getting revamped uh, here lately as well. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on anchor iTunes, Spotify, and Google podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and review on iTunes. And let's get to the NIU preview. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flowing job to a lock fine wood floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, Will. It's Vanderbilt and NIU up in DeKalb, Illinois, a small suburb about an hour west of Chicago. Vanderbilt heading in 2-1. and one. NIU is 1-1, one and one, as you mentioned earlier, Will. Must-win game. I mean, this is as much of a must-win game as it gets this year for Vanderbilt, especially uh, the way they played last week against Wake Forest. It'll be a 2.30 kick on CBS Sports Network. NIU right now, Will, as you mentioned, two-and-a-half-point favorite over Vanderbilt. I've seen the over-under at 58-and-a-half, but I think it's gone up to 59-and-a-half now. So a lot of points likely going to be scored uh, in this one, Will. Interesting atmosphere, too. I don't expect a great atmosphere. It's about a 24,000-seat stadium. Uh, but they are honoring their uh, 2000, what year was that? That Orange Bowl team, uh, the first MAC 2012 Orange Bowl team, the NIU team that played in the Orange Bowl. So they're honoring them. The, a lot of alums coming back. Well, final non-conference game before the SEC gauntlet begins. I mean, th- this is that, that's why this game is so important. Uh, Vandy has won six of seven in road non-conference matchups. Question is, Will, can they, how do they look after that, that Wake Forest game? I mean, how do they bounce back after that 20 point loss? And can Mike Wright bounce back? That that's what I look at kind of early on early notes of this game. Vandy funny, Will, they're the only SEC team to ever play in Husky stadium. They played there back in 1997. Of course, Vanderbilt uh, played Northern Illinois in 2019, won a, a tough one, tougher than coach Mason expected 24 to 18. Um, and it's the fifth meeting between these two teams. Vandy's won every game. Uh, and in that 1997 game, Will, Vandy won 17 to seven. So they, they're the only SEC team to ever play up there at Husky Stadium. So early thoughts here, Will. I'm, I'm still confused even after researching this game and kind of notes of the game and the matchup. But it's, uh, it, it's, it's crazy. I, I like the fact that we don't know what to expect, but sometimes that can be a scary feeling for Vanderbilt fans. <laughs> Yeah, this is the first week of the season when you have comparative results that might be useful because some teams have played three games. You have like 2.25 weeks of data and you can go back through and maybe start to learn some things about where everybody kind of pegs in the grander scheme of college football. That is not the case for Northern Illinois or Vanderbilt because the first two matchups of the week or, or matchups of the season for Northern Illinois tell a story that makes no sense. This Northern Illinois team, uh, their quarterback is a transfer in from Michigan State, former three-star uh, with some F, with some power five starting experience. This team from NIU is expected to be pretty good this year. Uh, and a one-and-one one start with a loss to Tulsa is probably not uh, where they hope to be. I know they were a six-and-a-half-point underdog and covered that spread against Tulsa, but in order to only lose 38-35, to 35, uh, they had to make a pretty big comeback in that mm-hmm. game. And Tulsa... Uh, in week one, lost to Wyoming, who is not known outside of when they had Josh Allen for being an extremely powerful football program. And they're not great this year. And we're not expected to be great this year. No, their other matchup, uh, I believe they beat Northern Colorado. So also no frame of reference for their matchup either. So that's where we sit. All we know is that Vanderbilt played a really, 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 really bad Hawaii team. And then they beat a... Pretty good run-of-the-mill FCS program and then played a pretty good Wake Forest team with their starting quarterback coming off of an injury. And in the, I wouldn't say pouring down rain, but 
relentless rain, relentless <laughs> drizzling. It went in waves, Uncomfortable. but it really rarely stopped. Yes, it was that really terrible kind of rain that it's like, just rain or don't. Just come down or don't. So we, we're we sitting here, and I think I did research, looked at stats, looked at comparative stats, and learned nothing. So that's that's where I sit after my stat recap and how I usually go about looking at these teams is there's just not a lot to go on immediately, which then just leads to watching the teams, which, like we both mentioned, doesn't lead you a lot either because it looked like two separate NIU teams were playing at different times throughout both of their week one and week two matchups, Billy. So I hope I represented the confusion uh, and lack of understanding of exactly what's going to happen in this matchup uh, pretty well at the beginning because hopefully this will be the least information that yeah. we have on an opponent. Well, I know it will be I the least information we have on an opponent the remainder of the season because the remainder of the season is SEC teams with more recent articles posted on 24-7 sports than 1,500 days ago. So there we go, Bill. And I think it's better that way. I think it's best mm-hmm. for Vanderbilt fans that we don't just clutter their minds with information on NIU because that may, that might make it more confusing for them. So Well, I like to give that disclaimer because I don't – when we know what we are talking about, which is – Sometimes, sometimes not. People may argue with that, but I like to at least give the disclaimer that we are by, this is the least I know about a Vanderbilt opponent by far. I felt like I had a really good read on Hawaii, really good read on Wake Forest, and then Elon was FCS. I have about as much information on this team or less yeah, than I did on Elon. It's crazy. I have I have a better I had a better read on Elon than I do right now for Northern Illinois. It's crazy. Even though they were an FCS team, we did have a good uh, good preview there with the voice of the Phoenix. Never forget mm-hmm. that one. But Will the MAC that conference? That's not what it used to be. I mean, you know, and we talked about it before we got on air. They're gonna they are going to be the conference that might be hit the most, you know, Mac Sunbelt has done pretty well, of course, last week, but the Mac, they eight of the bottom 12 teams. They have eight of the bottom 12 teams in college football right now. So I'm not saying NIU is in there, but that's who they're playing. I mean, they are, th- this conference is, is going downhill, uh, but NIU, it, they are the defending Mac champions. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, this is not the last year's Huskies <laughs> that they, they, they do. They do have most of their team back from last year, 16 starters, but they lost their two best running backs. They lost a running back who transferred to Memphis. They lost another running back, so they're playing with their third string from last year. And they do have some depth in on their defense, especially up front, and we'll get to that a little bit later, Will. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned that Tulsa game. I look at that as the best indicator for NIU. They were down early 24-7 at halftime, and I remember checking that score and saying, oh, NIU is awful. I just remember saying that to myself, and then all of a sudden I checked back at you know later at night, and, and they lose by three. They should have won that game. They, they had a receiver drop a ball, I think, last play there uh, in the end zone. So, But, well, they have a good coach. Thomas Hammock is in his fourth season. He was a really good running back at NIU, actually, in the early 2000s. So, another matchup of two coaches who played at their alma maters we've seen that before with clark lee of course with hawaii earlier this season um but will let's start with niu with their offense and they are led as you mentioned good research rocky lombardi clark lee called him a playmaker he's 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 i wouldn't sit here and say that rocky lombardi has that wow factor as as a quarterback he did transfer from michigan state after playing there for a little bit um he can run the ball you know, and, and he's a solid player. He, he's he's smart, I would say. He doesn't turn the ball over. He didn't have too many turnovers last year. Eight, only eight interceptions. Not great, but not awful. Um, and then this season, Will, 451 passing yards, four touchdowns. Pretty good numbers through two games. I mean, they, they put up points. They put up points last year. They also give up points. We talked, you know, we will get to that on their defense. Um, but, Will, he's a big guy, too. He can run the ball. He's about 6'3", 227 pounds. Uh, but this offense as a whole, Will, 32 points per game, solid for the Mac. I mean, it's pretty damn good in the Mac. Uh, you are playing Mac defenses, but the running game was dominant last season. 241 rushing yards per game. That was fourth in the country. So top five rushing team in the country last season. But as I mentioned earlier, they lost their two best running backs. So like we said, well, I keep saying this is not the Husky team of last year. You know, Rocky Lombardi leaned on those two running backs pretty heavily. And they have a, a couple decent receivers, but they were a run-heavy team, and they just plowed through the MAC. I mean, they're, they're, those MAC defenses were like, "What? We can't do anything." You know, we don't, we don't have enough guys up front. So, offensively, will 
They got Rocky Lombardi. They got a pretty good running back in Ontario Brown, who was the third string last year, as I mentioned. Good back, but he's not like Wake Forest's running backs either. You know, Wake Forest, I mean, those guys were bowling balls, bouncing off bandy tacklers and, you know, just everywhere. They do have a good receiver. Cole Tucker, number 15, leads the Mac in receiving yards. Um, but, Will, I look at this offense mostly in their running game. I think they will still be able to run the ball to an extent. Uh, they have four starters back from a young offensive line last year. But I keep going back to Will. They lost their their bell cow from last year. I mean, this is like Vanderbilt losing Keyshawn Vaughn the year at, you know, the year after Vandy lose. You lose a running back that good. I mean, he's at Memphis now. His name was Jay Ducker, really good player. He's gone. So if you're NIU, where do you go? You go to your third string from last year. So their offense is not as good as they were last year but they can still put up points and against a Vanderbilt defense that has been spotty at best so far. I would expect some points from NIU, but also points from Vanderbilt. And we'll get to that later. Will. but what do you look at with this offense? I mean, I know we haven't learned it much from their film, but I think Rocky Lombardi is a playmaker and Vanderbilt's got to keep an eye on him, not only with their receivers that he throws to, but with his legs. I mean, there's a reason that it's called Maction. And that's that's because there's not a ton of defense played out there. Uh, this team doesn't play at a really fast pace. Um, they're not looking to, you know, stretch the field a ton. They run the ball quite a bit, run a lot of play action off of that running off of that run game. Even with the less explosive backs that they have, like you mentioned, the transfer out to Memphis, I would I would almost describe this as real kind of similar to the Titans' offense. Uh, would be a comparison that I could almost draw. Yeah. Of course, it's a little different. You're not playing with NFL players, so it's there's not as much variation to mm-hmm. it, and it's got the college twist. But as far as things to compare it to, that's the closest that I could find. Right. Uh, they, they've had some success. You mentioned Cole Tucker, uh, 11 catches, 190 yards, and a touchdown on the season. But they have not given up a sack yet on the season. And a lot of that has to do with the defensive lines they have played against. I mean, Remember, they've played Eastern Illinois and they've played Tulsa thus far through the season. And a lot of that has to do with their offensive uh, offensive game plan. It allows yeah. for that offensive line that is returning those four guys uh, to kind of not allow those linebackers to shoot through the gaps and, and over oversimplify what they're doing yeah. and commit too early. So that has helped that offensive line. So Vanderbilt getting pressure through this O-line that has really not faced a front with the athleticism. I know that man, that's the struggle of Vanderbilt is, is that defensive line and the depth and getting a rush on the passer. But still, these guys are SEC players versus NIU MAC players. There's a difference in athleticism, even though Vanderbilt's recruiting has not been that great. They've had guys transfer out. The recruiting rankings play that out. And I'll have to get those pulled up, but I looked them up earlier with the exact numbers. There is a talent differential here. There is no doubt. And NIU has had a little more continuous roster. And, of course, coaching staff, you mentioned four seasons uh, for their coach in his fourth year. But the talent there for Vanderbilt is there. They have the athletes right now and should beat this NIU team. Now, NIU has them with experience, uh, for sure starting quarterback, I think even though Clark Lee did answer some of, uh, I wouldn't even say controversy, but if a little bit of a glimmer in Vanderbilt's minds of who the starting quarterback would be in this game, he answered that uh, pretty thoroughly. Mm-hmm. I'm not, not giving any any inkling that we would see A.J. Swan yeah. trotting out there, but it's going to be really just the situation that Vanderbilt finds themselves in. It's, it's going to be, can Vanderbilt put it all together with the young athletes and beat an inferiorly talented opponent with more continuous, cohesive team yeah. experience. So yeah. that's that's going to be an interesting thing to watch against a team. And I, I think that over-under may be a little fool's gold, Billy. I think we'll get to that a little bit later, but but I can see this being a little lower scoring than people are expecting. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I think it's 59 and a half right now. That That's sneaky because it, it's it's almost 60, but it's not quite. And it, you know, it, it did go up. I think it started at about 58 and a half up to 59 and a half now. But, Will, on this NIU offense, before we get to their defense, they, they didn't throw the football very well last year. I mean, they, like I said, they're a power run team. So they're not like your typical Mac team or Sunbelt, Funbelt team, Maction, like, you know, where they want to throw it around the yard. They will throw the football, but it's like the Titans. You know, they're going to throw it off play action. They're going to throw it, you know, off of the threat of the run. And, you know, when they can't run the football, 
it probably gets hard for them. Now, like I said, we don't know. You know, we've only seen two games of them. I've only watched one. I watched a little bit of the Tulsa game. So we don't, you know, we're, we haven't gotten a good look at them. But I think the Titans comparison is good, Will. I mean, Rocky Lombardi is not, you know, he's not a guy that's going to run around and throw, you know, make these crazy throws. He's going to, you know, he's going to sit back there and, you know, make the throws that have to be made and move the ball. You know, I mean, his numbers weren't phenomenal last year against Mac defenses. So, but he he gets it done. You know, he's he's he won a lot last year. I mean, they won the conference. So, you know, this is not this is a this is a top tier Mac team. You know, they still are. I know they lost a little bit from last year, but they've they've been able to stack. You know, like you said, the recruiting classes. I'm not saying this is a team that you know, is going to go out and, and compete and maybe see themselves in the top 25. They're, 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 a, they're still a top tier Mac team though. So that, that's what I'll be interested to see the difference of athlete, you know, and obviously Vanderbilt has the talent edge. They have that edge. Um, but we'll have to see, you know, the, the kid does the experience and the home crowd, how much does that carry NIU? So we'll have to see uh, there will, but defensively, not great. Not great, Bob. 34 points per game last year, uh, 452 yards per game, gave up a lot of points. Um, most of their D-line is back, though. Uh, a lot of depth in their front four, um, and they're not small. I Looking at their depth chart, it's not like, you know, they, they've got some they've got some guys up there that I, I think could somewhat hold their own for a first half against Vanderbilt, uh, but if Vanderbilt is able to run the football in the second half, and I'll get to this in my keys, that's where I think it opens up a little bit. Will, Listen to this. They've got a linebacker, number 11, Kyle Pugh. I don't know if you've learned about this guy. He is an eight-year senior. He, he's back for his eighth season. in That's an FBS record. It's That's incredible. I know. It's ridiculous. I saw this in their notes. Uh, so 2017 and 2019, his, his seasons there were cut short. He missed 2021 with a knee injury. And he's using his COVID season this year. Just unreal. That's awesome. Eight, yeah. I mean, that, that's pretty cool. So they'll be talking about that in the broadcast, definitely. Um, their their entire secondary is back pretty much, Will. I mean, th- I think we'll be surprised when we see this defense. Now, Vanderbilt should be able to, by the second half when it comes to, you know, to have that physical advantage. But, you know, we didn't see that in the second half against an Elon team, an FCS team. So I, I still... I still want to see that, and I'm interested to see if Vanderbilt can impose their will. They've got some good players back there. Number nine linebacker, DeVaron Rayner, 25 tackles through two games. He's a big guy, 6'3", 210. They've got a good safety. C.J. Brown, number six, he's second on the team in tackles. So they've got some players back there, Will, and they've got experience. They've got depth, um, and I know they're they're bringing in an SEC team, but this Vanderbilt team hasn't proven to me that you know they can physically dominate in in a lower against lower competition you know they didn't do it in the second half against elon they did it in the first half but can they sustain it that that's and i'm going to get to that in one of my keys but defensively will they should be able to put up points against this team and run the football but i said the same thing against elon leading in and they did in the first half but the second half didn't really happen so we'll have to see can they do it for four quarters will that that's that's really what i'll be looking at in this game Everything within me wants to point out that everything in NIU's offense is based around having a really good running back, and the entire passing offense is based around having a really good running back that can bust some runs similar to the Titans. They're averaging 4.4 yards per, per carry so far through two weeks against Tulsa and Eastern Illinois. Vanderbilt's defense should be able to stop that offense from NIU. There's just no doubt. But on the other side, is their defense so far this year, even though they have given up, of course, 38 points to Tulsa and 27 to Eastern Illinois, has probably taken a step forward. And I know that's weird to say looking at the final Uh, scoreboard, but that's what is even more confusing. Everything going into this year would lead you to believe that the offense for NIU is going uh, to be much better than the defense. And that really, even with the final scores, and I know that that this is going to not make a lot of sense if you look at the final scores, but you've got to look at where they're coming from last season. Yeah, It's just what you would expect. It, and how much did that running back transferring out make a difference? Because last year, their quarterback, Rocky Lombardi, he only completed 58% of his passes. And it, so that is not a high completion percentage. And so really similar to saying, 
that when Derrick Henry was hurt in the playoffs and now, well, those explosive plays that Tannehill was hitting, he's not going to have those safeties dropping down at the box because they're not scared of Derrick Henry and needing to have those extra safeties to support the linebackers and run support. Now those guys can stay back there. Is Rocky Lombardi able to read the coverage properly when he did not have to do that last year on a damn good football team? So yeah. far, no, that he has not been able to make that adjustment. That is clear mm-hmm. to not having guys that are worried at all about these running backs from an IU busting care or busting big runs. The guy that leads uh, leads the team in rushing, I believe, is averaging 4.3 yards per carry. That's not good. Vanderbilt needs to keep NIU in that range. I know we we're saying we we're switching over to NIU's defense, but I just had to get that out uh, about the offense. O- offensive nuggets there. I like it. Yeah, because it's just like everything is reversed. It's when you would look at this box score and where I would have thought the angles would be coming from when I first started researching NIU are just not what played out once I started digging into it. It's you would expect this game to just have a lot of points going back and forth when you look at what Wake Forest did to Vanderbilt and what NIU's defense was last year and just what you would expect out of a MAC team. And I don't know. I, I can just see this game going one of two ways. I can see their defense, defensive line for NIU being able uh, to kind of stonewall Vanderbilt a little bit with Mike Wright at quarterback and their defense making some opportunistic plays. And I can see the same thing for Vanderbilt on the other side on defense. But I can also see both teams having a lot of success, which is the problem is, is in the first weeks of this season, we've seen both sides of the ball for both teams at times look really, really, really good and look really, really, really bad. So which side is the right side? Who which side up? is actually the strength of the team on both sides? I think a lot of those questions will be answered and they couldn't get answered soon enough for Vanderbilt because the gauntlet is about to begin. Yeah. Winter is coming. Winter is coming for Vanderbilt <laughs> uh, in the sec. Uh, I saw a tweet. Well, I think it was from Magoog's on Twitter. He said, winter is coming. It'll be nice. It would be nice to, to throw on a Husky coat uh, to to stay warm during the uh, the cold of winter in the SEC. It would also be nice to cash my uh, over Vanderbilt two and a half wins bet four games into the season. Well, you nice and a lot of other people, I think there was a good chunk of people that cashed that uh, throughout the country. So, you know, there's been analysts that have said that and come out and publicly said that. So there could be some eyes on this game for that purpose of mm-hmm. – People wanting their money. Not <laughs> There will be a lot of game. eyes. And if Vanderbilt doesn't win this game, Vanderbilt will have a lot of eyes on them. Because that was a very heavily bet over. That was one yes. of the most heavily bet overs there in, in win people, total. There was some money coming in on Vandy last week. I mean, you know, I saw that too. So, you know, this is a big week, Will, for Vandy. We'll get to this in my keys. But the one thing I'll mention about Northern Illinois before we get to uh, the keys to victory, they I, about their offense, I think they're streaky. Like, just looking at, you know, I know I'm looking off of one game, but, I mean, they can score points in bunches. They showed it last week. I know it's Tulsa's defense, but still, I mean, you're down 24-7 at half, and you come back and you score, you know, you make it, it's 38-35 final score. So, I think they scored something like four straight touchdowns or something like that to get back in the game. They took a 28-24 lead. So, I, this, it, it's it's nervous. That, that's what I'll say, one word. Uh, pretty nerve-wracking, I think, for Vandy fans on this one heading into it. And it, you're also just kind of confused. Like, that's what I say, confused, clueless. I, I I just, I don't know. I just don't know what to expect this game. I don't know what, I don't know what, I don't know what Vanderbilt team we have. I, yeah, I don't know. You know, we talk about. Is, have we seen an illusion? That That's that's what we both hit on right after the Hawaii game, is we were not going to get too high or too low, because both of us in the Hawaii preview, we were both like, this Hawaii team's terrible. And so they're going to kick the shit out of them. And I think we we both discussed that as not getting too high after that. And the same thing happened with Elon is they came in and kind of did what we expected in the first half, had the bad stretch. And then they got their butt kicked by Wake Forest. And so now you're sitting there, you got brought back down to earth. The balloon is kind of deflated mm-hmm. uh, within anybody that bought into the hype train. And so now we'll see how this team reacts. Yeah. I think that's going to be really interesting is how does this team bounce back from a thorough butt whooping? Uh, the initial every team kind of goes into a season, especially no matter who you're playing, you start out two and zero, and the thought pops into your head when you're on the team and you're bought into it that maybe we have something special here. Well, now that's deflated. Now, I mean, you're ba- brought back down to earth. You can still improve. You can still win games and you can still be a good Vanderbilt football team. But the idea that something insane and crazy that is happening around here is gone because yeah. Wake Forest came in and thoroughly beat you. So 
now that we are back to reality, the preseason hype, all that stuff, even though you're sitting at two and one, that is gone. The boat, the balloon is deflated. The bubble is popped. How does this team do going to Illinois an hour, hour and a half outside of Chicago in a 24,000 seat stadium after getting whipped on national TV at 11 a.m., but national TV in Sam Hartman's return at home in the rain? How do they react to that? That's going to be a real test. Like you said last last episode of this team being mentally there, this is a test of that takeaway uh, from the Wake Forest game. Yeah, it, it, we're going to learn a lot about this team, Will. You know, I know we say that most weeks, but I think this week in particular, we haven't had to see them bounce back from a loss like that yet. I mean, they started off 2-0, and we're heading into the Wake game. Like, how can they keep this going? And NIU and, plays Kentucky after this? Yes, they Sorry, do. They I go just to saw Le- that. Oh, my go, God. They go to brutal. Lexington next week. So, kind of a <laughs> – Okay, keep going kind of what a you're doing. Sorry. I was like, Jesus, whoever NIU's AD is, my <laughs> – God, I'm sorry, that's a brutal two-week stretch. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. Uh, that's on ESPN2 as well. So, um, But, Will, this is not a team to just slouch over and say, I don't think anyone's doing this from Vanderbilt's perspective. Well, Vanderbilt's an underdog, so that would right. be. <laughs> I literally don't think anyone's doing that. But, you know, that would be that'd be kind of cool to do, but we can't. That would be awesome. Um, okay, well, let's get to three keys to victory. Um Probably going to be a little bit of shorter of a keys to victory, but, uh, you know, we'll get to it anyway. I'll start. Uh, number one for me, Will, I want to see this team come out pissed off for greatness. That, that, that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see this team play angry, play every possession like the one after the late hit out of bounds like Mike Wright. I mean, they were flying around like chickens with their head cut off, aiming at Sam Hartman's helmet. I mean, I'm not like, I'm not even kidding. Like, after he got hit by Max Worship, he had half the defense standing over him and taunting him. I mean, I don't know that Clark Lee wants him to play like that, but I want to see that. Like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not Judd. I, like, I, I want to see that. Like, that's what you see from most SEC defenses. They're not dirty. There's a line you draw, of course, but you know, I want to see that fire that the the actual pack of hyenas that they talk about. We haven't seen that the last two weeks. I mean, the last six quarters of defense has been awful. It's been bad. And so I played pretty well against Wake Forest in the first half, I'd say. First half was good, but they still gave up, you know, three touchdowns. I know that's because of the defense, but overall, overall, this defense has not been good in the last the last six quarters, I would say. Um, you know, especially going back to that, that's a big second half against Elon and then second half against Wake. You know, you gave up some long drives. Um, but they have a chance to prove the 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 leap that you've taken forward what what kind of a leap in year two have you taken forward as as a program and and as as a team led by coach lee they have all the motivation in the world i mean you really do you talked about it will you just got whipped on on you know sec nation sec network a lot of people watching it's sam hartman's return and hartman dropped four touchdowns on you i mean he he beat you he and they they physically dominated vanderbilt as well i think uh, for the most part, um, now Vanderbilt held their own, and if they don't turn the ball over, maybe they're in that game. Um, and I think Clark knows that. Clark knows they could have been in the game versus Wake Forest without those turnovers. I mean that you got to believe if you're Clark Lee all week long, you're 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 practicing turnover drills. Obviously, not turning the ball over, but preventing turnovers. I mean, how do you how do you prevent the turnovers? If they don't turn the ball over this weekend, they win the game. I mean, I, 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 against NIU, now I'm not against an SEC team. I, I wouldn't say that, but against NIU this week, I think if they don't turn the ball over, they win the game. So prove, go out there and go on the road and prove you're better than that team and prove that you're better than what you showed on Saturday against Wake Forest. So this is more of a broad key, Will, but I want to see that motivation, pissed off for greatness, come out here and just, just dominate your opponent. And, and, you know, we didn't see that against Elon. They did not dominate Elon for four quarters. They dominated Hawaii for three quarters, but we haven't seen it for four quarters an entire game. It may be a year away from that. I mean, if we're, if we're being honest, but that there's the challenge. Go out and do that. So, Will, number one, play pissed off for greatness. I would almost say my number one's kind of similar, but just a little different perspective. Uh, my number one is going to be individually to every single Vanderbilt player look in the mirror. 
you are better than every single player on Northern Illinois' roster. Every single one of them could not hold your fucking jock strap. Okay. That, that is not subjective. Okay. This is hey, true. no cussing. Van, sorry. <laughs> Vanderbilt is, I can't, I can't curse on Saturdays because I have a little girl that I see some diggings in front of me. I can't curse her in here. Darn it, Billy. I can't crap and curse anywhere. But NIU's recruiting classes, I'm going to go through the last six seasons because they have an eighth year senior on their roster. I'm going to go through the last six 2022, 87th composite 24 7 sports ranking. 2021, 92nd. 2020, 92nd. 2019, 108. 2018, 93. 2017, 97. This NIU team is in the bottom 40, 30 teams of talent in the country. Vanderbilt, you are not. Beat the shit out of them. That's my key number one. Beat the shit out of them. I, I like it. That's a, I, I love physically how, I love dominate how the, them. I love how the first key for each of us is just when to like beat them. <laughs> it's just when the every this is my issue. This is like how we do a lot of breakdown and an evaluation of the, what we're going to do in the eight games following this. And their analysts, they're the door. That, that's, that's what they're going to say yeah. the same thing. Yeah. But it's just from the perspective of in 2022, Vanderbilt was 32nd. And in 2021, yeah. Vanderbilt was, I believe, like 40 some in the 40s. In the yeah. composites. It's loading. Yeah. 49th. And then they'll be like 44th in 2019. It's just all scale. But the teams in the SEC are top 20. So you are twice as high, basically, in the rankings. And, and as far as your individual players go and star ratings, that is where Vanderbilt is sitting within IU. I know that they won this conference last year, but both of us, I think, are looking at this game saying that is great and all, but I think this team is different. Yes, yeah. And they, they uh, Vanderbilt is, slight, I think, slightly the more talented team, um, but we're going to see. Well, number two for me, run right, run left, and right is spelled with a W. We need like Mike Wright to just run the football. This is another game that Mike Wright should have success. He had success on the ground against Hawaii. Of course, I think every quarterback that can run against that defense will have success. Um, but against Elon, we saw similar things as well. I mean, he, you know, offensively as a whole, Vanderbilt ran for almost 200 yards that game. Mike Wright was a big part of that. Um, you know, not as dramatically as against Hawaii, but he still had success on the ground. Wake Forest, virtually nothing. I mean, Wake Forest, that front was, like we said, I, I mean, like I said, they were better than I thought. So, uh, but Mike Wright was also, you know, didn't look as confident as he did naturally against an ACC team, a good top 25 team. NIU, though, it, they're, they're better than you think up front. You know, I know we've talked about that. I still think, though, for Mike Wright, he is fast. He's the faster. He's the fastest guy in the field, and he's faster than every defensive player that N Northern Illinois has. So if you're Vanderbilt, find ways to get him in space. Whether that's I don't care, uh, you know, setting him up, you know, outside, and you know, throwing a screen. But like I don't care. Get get Mike right the ball in space. If you have to throw a screen pass to him, I'm kidding there. But uh, when in doubt, though, will quarterback power or quarterback draw with Mike, right? Like I'm not even, I'm not even kidding. I think, but at the end of the day, Vanderbilt's offensive line has to hold up and this NIU defensive line, I keep going back to it. They're not a slouch. So this is going to be, it's not like Hawaii or Elon where, you know, you think Vanderbilt will be able to dominate up front. You know, we thought that against Elon and, and I think for the most part they did in the first half, second half, you know, we did not, we didn't see much of that. Um, so, but well, NIU gave up a lot of points last season. They gave up not as many rushing yards as passing yards, but it's still a Mac defense where they're leaky and there is space to be, you know, for Mike Wright to run into the space and outrun the corners, the safeties, the linebackers. He's the fastest guy in the field and he's faster than the entire defense. Um, and, and so only 150 team rushing yards last week for Vanderbilt as a whole. I, you know, they're better than that. They can run the ball better than that. And this isn't just Mike Wright. It's Ray Davis. It's Rocco if he plays, God forbid, um, and, and the entire running, rushing offense. But 
mostly, well, this key is run Mike Wright. Run him. He needs at least 10 carries. And if Mike Wright, I think kind of a, you know, if if result for Vanderbilt, if he runs for over 100 yards, I think Vanderbilt has a great shot of winning this game. I might even say they would win it if he runs for over 100 yards. But he's, I think give Mike Wright at least 10 carries, at least. And that needs to be the bulk of the offense because Vanderbilt hasn't shown they can move the football through the air at all. I mean, against Hawaii, yes. Uh, against Elon, first half. So Wake Forest, virtually nothing. So, Will, number two for me, run right, run left. I like that. Uh, I don't have a clever title like that for my second key, which was actually my first key, but I just kind of swapped around we'll keys switch, one and two. Switch but, yeah, my key number two is going to be no big run plays. Uh, that is going to be a huge key in this game. We mentioned and I mentioned that NIU has not ran the ball well this year uh, from a run-heavy team. That is very, very good to see from a Vanderbilt perspective mm-hmm. that they have struggled to run the football against Eastern Illinois and Tulsa's front seven, front six. So this is why I say no big plays, and I don't just say stop the run or focus on that. So looking at their main two running backs are going to be Ontario Brown, Harrison Whaley. So Ontario Brown has a long rush of 35 yards this season, 33 carries for 143 yards, two touchdowns. Take away, right now he's averaging 4.3 yards per carry. I mentioned that that is not particularly great from your star running back in a run-heavy offense. You take away his one long rush of the season, he's averaging 3.37 yards per rush. Now, look at Harrison Whaley, who was on this team last year. He is averaging 5.3 yards per carry, and you think, wow, that's a lot better. He has 19 carries for 100 yards with a long rush of 54 yards. You take that away, he's averaging 2.55 yards per carry. So if you take their main two running backs and take away just each of their one individual longest rush, they are averaging 3.08 yards per carry. So do not give up big, long rushing plays. This offense and team in general from NIU is riding off of that team from last year. I don't think they're particularly that good. But if you give up big big plays, they can beat you, and they will beat you because they have the guys to do it but they don't have the game breakers they did last season outside of Cole Tucker. And they have not been able to really hit any of those big plays in the passing game because that's not really their thing, but they're going to be forced to do that because they just don't have the home run hitter at the running back position this season. So do not allow big plays, but specifically to these running backs from, from Northern Illinois, because that is really the only reason that they were able to beat Eastern Illinois and the only reason they were able to come back against Tulsa big plays. All right. Number three for me, Will, as we roll through Matt Hayball and Joseph Bullivis, buckle your chin straps, get ready to roll. You're going to be needed. You will be needed. And that's what I'm saying. If I'm Clark Lee to them, Matt, get ready to flip the field and Joe get ready, of course, to hit all your extra points. But also since we have stalled on our drives the last couple weeks, we're going to need you to put up points for us. And, you know, I think this is a field goal type game of a field where you will see kickers. Now, I don't, that doesn't mean that we won't see points, but I think the margin could be by a field goal. And I think at least from the Vanderbilt perspective, you will see field goals. They're going to be needed. Well, I have a feeling Bullivis will be needed, especially late in the game. They haven't been able to sustain drives. I mean, against Wake Forest. Yes. That's a better defense. Um, but against Elon, especially in the second half, they they stalled out on you know majority of those drives in the second half. I know they were able uh, to end up winning that game and do just enough to win the game, but that's mostly because of the you know the difference they already had in the score from their first half output. So putting fourth quarter four quarters together, of course, is key. Will but sustaining drives and that goes along. So this is kind of two keys here: Hayball and Bullivis get ready to roll but also sustained drives. They have relied way too much on big plays and scoring quickly. So far, Will, they've scored on plays of 87, 44, and 26 yards. And every Vandy scoring drive has been under four minutes. Like, they have not, and I saw this, I didn't know, um, I didn't know if that was true. I fact-checked it a couple times, but it's crazy to look at that stat and say, four minutes i mean they they ha- they haven't really sustained drives i mean yes they've scored quickly and against that obviously hawaii that game is a big part of that but they either strike quickly or not at all 
this team, which can be good, but can also be, for the most part, bad because you're not sustaining drives. You're not helping your defense out. So I want to see long, sustained drives, methodical, where Vanderbilt is able to push NIU around. That's going to be a challenge, I think. As as surprising for a general football fan as it might seem, yes, it's going to be a challenge. It's just where this program is at right now. So I that's two right there, Will, but two-part key. Number one, Matt Hayball, you got to have your A game. You're going to have to flip the field. Joe Bullivis as well, you got to make your kicks. I mean – how many opportunities he had one against Hawaii, right? And then against Elon, did he? I don't know that he kicked any against Elon. Mm, let me look. And so I, I don't sure. have the bull of his stats right in front of me. But for Joe Will, I mean, I just have a feeling about him. I, I have a feel this reminds me of a Colorado State type game from last year. I know Vanderbilt has improved, and Northern Illinois is probably a little bit better than that Colorado State team from last year. So, you know, we'll see slightly better football than that, than that game. But I just – I got a feeling, Will. I, I've got a feeling Bullivis will have to be ready. And and so, you know, but also Hayball. And that goes also, Will, because they don't – they haven't been able to sustain drives. Uh, yeah, but big like Joe, he's only kicked one one on the season. Hawaii, one for one from right? 35. Okay, yep. yeah. So, and so you know, they've gone that, for it on fourth quite a bit in situations – Yes, I wanted them to in spots when maybe it's been kind of 50 50 and they'll have to I think they'll they'll have to make those decisions against NIU as well. You know, you got a fourth and three, fourth, and four. What do you do? You send Joe out there from 45 or, you know, what, what do you do offensively? So, will Hayball and Bullivis got to be ready, but they also have to sustain drives, you know, so that Bullivis doesn't have to be ready like this. And and Hayball doesn't have to flip the field, you know, so kind of a two part key there. Um, but I'm basically predicting that they won't be able to sustain drives. So Hayball and Bullivis get ready to go. So I, I think Clark Lee, I think he's saying that to those guys, not that he knows they won't sustain drives, but they haven't proven it yet. So that's my third key. Will a lot in there, but uh, I think Bullivis and Hayball got to be ready. Yeah. Since since you didn't say it, uh, I had two things written down. I didn't love what I had written down as my third key. And if you didn't already say it, I would say it the most basic key to the game that I think every single person, especially after the Wake Forest game last week would say is the key to the game win the turnover battle. Yeah. Uh, because that is what truly made that Wake Forest game a, a complete impossibility of it making that tight late. Yeah. It changed the game that, that pick six sucked the air out of the stadium. Unlike it anything. deflated the sideline. It was so immediate because Vanderbilt fans were so, timid and not ready to get excited it was such a feeling too it's it was just like everyone was waiting on the thing to happen it hadn't happened yet this season uh you saw the onside kick that elon recovered but then ultimately the defense was able to stop them so that wasn't it but you just felt there's gonna be the thing that hurts and it was one play and 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 there it was and you went okay and then for the rest of the game that doesn't even count the fumbles when the ball slipped out of their hands ramon davis had one that he was able to get Just back snowball. uh yeah so there were multiple times like that that cannot happen against niu hopefully it's not raining the whole time so that's going to help quite a bit you're not playing a power five opponent top 25 power five opponent but winning the turnover battle and mike you just can't have an interception like that i'm not saying that he's not going to throw any interceptions this season he's gonna have picks that's my big issue this is my huge issue you have to evaluate mike wright the same way you would a dude that is known for having a cannon of an arm okay everybody makes a bad decision every now and then okay everybody throws a ball doesn't come out of their hand right tom brady throws interceptions okay josh allen threw interceptions at wyoming okay it happens what you can't have is the throw it up in the air with the dude chasing you down straight to a, a Eyes triple down. covered receiver. So now they have blockers set up on the other side of the field because you've extended the play out and then flung it. Now I love extending the play out, keeping your eyes open. And I think he was timid after that point, keeping his eyes downfield. And I think that was the big thing going back and seeing that Wake Forest game was after he threw that interception, you didn't see the same Mike Wright. That was the first pick of the year. That was the first contra or not controversy, but adversity. <laughs> adversity. Good lord, it's getting late. Adversity that Mike Wright faced throughout this season, and he didn't bounce back well. So now he's back. 
He's the guy. Clark Lee unequivocally said that Mike Wright is the starting quarterback. So go out there and prove it's your job. Go out there and play the same way you did. I know it was lesser opponents, but play with the same confidence, throwing the ball into tight areas, allowing your guys an opportunity to go and make a play. It's don't do what Vanderbilt did in 2015, which is what I point to as one of the historically worst coaching jobs from a Vanderbilt OC slash coaching staff that I've ever seen was 2015 uh, when they had Johnny McCrary and they had the Western Kentucky game that they lost and they were, they were moving the ball up and down the field. I mean, they were a, their offense looked really good. McCrary was flinging it and the offense looked crisp, but he turned the ball over in the red zone multiple times and Vanderbilt had turnover issues. Well, then Vanderbilt got scared of turnovers and they stopped doing the thing that was at least moving the ball up and down the field. So that is what I do not want to see. Don't get conservative with Mike Wright just because he had a bad game. This hits on the takeaway from last from, from last episode of Wake Forest. Your quarterback has to throw the ball. And if you're not comfortable with your quarterback dropping back and throwing the ball down the field on third and 10, he shouldn't be your quarterback. So I like that Clark Lee stuck with Mike Wright. But if the play calling this game is hampered or if they look like they are timid, or not wanting to push the ball down the field because they've stuck with Mike Wright at quarterback, that will be the first reaction episode that I will get really, really mad at the staff this year because I think I haven't done that yet. Yeah, you, you haven't done that. You I haven't because I haven't had yet. any big disagreements. Everything, even yeah. in the loss, I didn't That's have kind any of a big staple, issues. The last couple of years, it's kind of a staple. Like week two, you got the, the coaching staff rant from Will. Like, well, when I actually kind of agree with, right. you know, they, it's just because they lose doesn't mean I have an issue with the game plan. I think that's it's right. just I have had issues with the game plan when yeah. we've been doing these episodes. But the Wake Forest game wasn't that way. But this NIU game specifically watch for if this team is allowing Mike Wright to throw the football down the field. Yeah, because well, I, I if think he doesn't, they're not going to be able to run the football. And this NIU secondary is porous. They're giving up almost 300 yards a game. Yeah, I think, Will, you're going to see some shots, some quick, like deep shots. I mean, the fade to Will Shepard hasn't worked, but, you know, yeah. you're going to see them try it. Because that I think that's a spot where they may be able to find something. If they don't, you know, we are we already know they're going to run. They're going to try to run the football. And if they can't run the football in that first half, get ready to see AJ Swan in the second half because Clark knows how important this game is for for him and this team. Now, if they lose it, yes, it's probably still not the end of the world. But if they win it, he knows what that will do for their season, for the psyche, for recruits, and and everything. So I think my prediction, kind of a non-game prediction, but I think we will see A.J. Swan. I think we will see Swan sometime in this game. And because I, I predict Vanderbilt to not be able to run the ball the way they want to. And when they can't do that, that doesn't set, the, set up the pass at all. So now, you know, you're forced in a bind where, you know, you've got Mike Wright back there, NIU's bringing pressure. I'm not saying A.J. Swan is, is you know, is going to lead this team – you know, in this, in the entire second half. But I think if they're stalling out same way, like they did against Wade Clark has shown, he's not afraid to to throw Swan in there. I mean, what he did last week, we talked about it. So that's a kind of a side prediction there. Um, I've got that, to find the quote, but I think he said he didn't want to put Swan in competitive snaps is, is, was a Clark Lee quote. So that's why I'm kind of either seeing that. that where, was where'd you see that? Speak. I think it was in a Robbie article, actually. I've got a or on a message board. We gotta, somewhere. we gotta I'll find to a, go and we gotta find yeah, the I'll context for that. that. I, I don't know about that. Okay, uh, I, you you distracted me on what I wanted to say there a little bit. I completely slipped my mind with the with that comment right there. But no, I mean, I it's just the weight game with the way he handled Mike Wright. I mean, will if they get down and you know, say Mike turns the ball over a couple, you know, a couple times in the first half again. I mean, you know, are they going to leave him out there and and let NI, you know, let NIU take control of the game? I don't know that they would do that, but I, I don't know. I just have a fe- I have a feeling, and, and no matter what Clark Lee says this week, you know, we could see something totally different. I'm not saying Swan's going to start. Mike Wright's the guy, but I do think we, uh, I think Swan will see time in this game. I don't know to what extent, and it's kind of like Hawaii, you know, like oh yeah, we're we're going to see him considering Vandy's going to be up. But I, this reason, I think we're going to see right because I, I expect this to be a close game. Vanderbilt's going to have to throw the football. And if they can't, they're going to have somebody in there that can. I mean, that, that's just where they're at right now. It's nothing against right. 
you know, but it's just, you know, what do you, what do you, what can you get done throwing the football? And so, so yeah, well, all right, let's get to predictions. Um, for, for me, we'll, I got a few stats to run through here. Vandy's 11 and two all time against Mac teams. They've won eight straight against the Mac. NIU, on the other hand, they're one and 11 against SEC teams. And, and so they have not had a good history against SEC teams. Vandy has dominated Mac teams anytime they've played them. Now, I know we're in a new scheme with Clark Lee, um, but at the same time, every time these two teams have met also, it's been a close game. I mean, we saw in 2019, Vanderbilt won by six. And, you know, of course, that was under Coach Mason. Uh, that was one of those games where you sit there and realize, okay, the talent the talent uh, pool is is lessening here at Vanderbilt. Um, but in 1997, all the way back there, it was 17-7. to seven. So, I mean, obviously, it doesn't have any parallel, but – Every time these teams have played, it's been close. So, well, I think this is going to be a big game for Mike Wright on the ground. You know, I know I just said that Mike Wright and the team, it, I, I was saying that more of if, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised. I This is my prediction, but I also wouldn't be surprised for NIU to have a little bit of success against Mike Wright. So, like I said, this all goes in the line of, I don't know. Bottom line, I have no clue what's going to happen. But if I had to throw a prediction out there, I think it will be a good a good game for Mike Wright on the ground. I think Ray Davis runs hard, Will as well, and I think that helps. I mean, when you've got Ray Davis running and then you don't know who's going to keep it between Mike or Ray, it's not easy to defend. Now, you know, you got to get some push up front, which they didn't get against Wake or Elon, so we'll see about that. I think the defense forces a couple opportunistic turnovers, and like I said earlier, Will, I think Bullivis hits a couple big field goals late. I just I see him I see him doing that. He hasn't been called upon. He's going to be called upon Saturday afternoon in DeKalb, Illinois. Bullivis <laughs> is going to pull through late. I think Vandy wins by four. By four, I think they cover thirty-five to thirty-one. Close game all the way through, but I think Vanderbilt finds a way to pu- pull through. And well, a lot of points. I I was tempted to go in the twenties here. You know, something like you know, maybe 28, 24, but you know, I said both these defenses have not played well recent as of late, especially Vanderbilt the last couple games and NIU through their first two games, they've both given up points. So I do see this game hitting the over uh, and I've got Vanderbilt winning by four, 35, 31, not confident in it at all. Um, But that's where it's at. And uh, that's, that's, that's the bet uh, I would make Vanderbilt in the over. Okay, so I found the Robbie Weinstein article, which was the NIU preview. Okay. Uh, so I'm just going to read straight out of that. Uh, he says, Commodore's sticking with right. This is from Robbie Weinstein on 24sports.com. I want to give him the proper plug. Mm-hmm. Mike, and this is in quote, Mike Wright will start at quarterback after a poor outing against Wake Forest last weekend. And Lee indicated Tuesday he does not want to put true freshman A.J. Swan in the game for competitive snaps, if possible. This is in quote from Clark Lee. I think it's hard to play two quarterbacks. I don't think that's a formula that we want to deploy as a strategy. I don't think that's the best thing to do. You want players in game to be able to play through mistakes and to be able to find rhythm. To me, it's best when there's a commitment to one person doing that, end quote. So I would say we're probably not going to see well, uh, AJ I, Swan I, in competitive snaps. And that is not because that is what I want, but just from how Lee has spoken about it, I think this was more not allowing Mike Wright to kill his own confidence by struggling in the rain uh, against a pretty good Wake Forest team. But I, you know, maybe that's right. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Um, And I'm more in the mold of, you know, Mike Wright should play the majority of this game, but if he starts that game again, the way he did against Wake Vanderbilt gets down, say 14, nothing, a couple scores. I mean, there's no other option. I mean, you, you, this is a must-win game, and so you know that that's just from my perspective, though. I mean, you know, this could be coach speak. We could see Mike Wright come out and run for 150 yards and come out and dominate Northern Illinois. That's the thing about this week. I don't know, and I think Clark Lee is somewhat in that mold. They're just in some uncertain times right now as a program, as you know, as as an offense for the majority. We know what they've got defensively. Offensively, I don't know that you know we really know. You know, I mean, we haven't seen consistency. So, you know, I just think I'm not expecting Mike to come out and play bad. I'm not, you know, that's not what I'm saying. But if, if it does happen, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see AJ Swan in there. I know Clark Lee just said that. Sometimes I don't believe coach speak though. (laughs) Yep. 
So now that I've read that, I guess I'll get to my prediction. So I went back and forth. I, I could see this going one of two ways. It's tough because I don't know which side of the ball is either whichever perspective you want to take is good and which side is bad from either of these teams. What's the strength? What's the weakness? So I'll go ahead and give just my score here. I think it's going to be 34 to 24 Commodores win. And wow, I think it's not going to feel that cl- as close as 34-24. I think it's going to be much more similar to the Elon 11-point uh, victory than how some of those 10-point victories feel. This Elon team, just when I watch them, they're just not good. In, and, in I, and I've given I, – NIU, what did I say? Elon? Elon, yeah. Yeah, we're getting towards, yeah, we're getting towards the end of the episode. That's good. Uh, <laughs> but when you watch this NIU team – I. I feel like I hate when podcasts and people give like these hedged answers when they'll be like, you know, they're this, but like, and I do it all the time. I'm not <laughs> saying that then you, me and you do it all the time because you have to, yeah. but I feel like I've tried to give at the end of the episode, like definitively what I thought about these teams. And at the end of the episode of the Hawaii week, I said, this team's awful. It's the worst team in FBS football, not a doubt in my mind. They got there. Elon, I think me and you both had a good feel about them. Wake Forest, we were on. I don't see what people see in this Elon team, or not Elon, NIU, NIU team. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This NIU team that is making them the favorite against Vanderbilt. I watched their games. They were not playing good opponents. They were streaky. They were not efficient. And that is not going to be what is going to be able to beat Vanderbilt because they do not have the athleticism advantage like they did in their first two games of the season. This will be the first game that NIU is going to be out-athleted. And I think that is going to be – I think that that is one of the most slept on, for lack of a better word here. That's probably a better term for that. But things is going from week to week, what level of competition you're coming off playing early in the season. So late in the season, you want to be coming off playing a lesser opponent. You're in the rhythm of things, whatever, because you can kind of rest up. I think early in the season it hurts you coming off of playing a lesser opponent. I think you haven't seen the speed of a team like Wake Forest, and I think it catches you by surprise. Mm -hmm. And I think it does that, especially in the second half when they bring in more rotational players, more depth, and they come in with the same amount of speed as the starters versus when you played these other teams that their secondary and rotation players were clearly, you know, lesser than their starters. And I think NIU just has not seen the speed of guys like McGowan and Wright. I don't think that they've seen a running back anything like Ramon Davis. I don't think Ramon has breakaway speed, but I think their defense is going to struggle to bring him down completely, unlike the first two weeks of the season. Uh, but really where they've been porous is the secondary. So Mike Wright, it's going to come down to the quarterback position, which it often does, but Mike is going to have to hit some passes down the field. And if he is able to do that, which I believe he is going to be able to do that, which is why my prediction is 34 to 24. If he is able to do that, Vanderbilt should win this game handily. And that is because the defense has gotten, I think, a bad rap. I think that they have been put in some tough spots. That starting defense has given up very, very, very few points when the offense hasn't set them up in horrific situations. They held a Wake Forest team to 14 points, offensive points in the first half that was averaging 52 and a half points last year. They gave up 10 points to a Hawaii team, really uh, seven points early in that game that they gave up to Hawaii. And then Elon really outside of the stretch in the second half when they did not have most of their starting rotation. And then they kind of, I think went to the rotational guys a little bit early is when they gave up a majority of those yards to Elon. So I have high expectations for this team. I think this is a prove it game of saying definitively, we are not a bottom 30 ish team. We're not in the nineties hundreds. Like we said last, last week is you don't jump to number 25. You go from being in the nineties to being in the seventies or sixties. This is your game this year to prove it. You were playing a team in the 70s, 80s, 90s, wherever you want to put them, beat them. You're in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Then next season, take another step. Then take another step. That's how you continue to build momentum. This NIU game, as dumb as it sounds, and other SEC programs can make fun of us. I don't care. This is a huge game for Clark Lee and Vanderbilt. Massive. It couldn't get any bigger than this. And, you know, it, it's an afternoon kick. And hopefully the rain stays away because that has played a factor. It played a factor against Wake Forest. Did it rain against Elon, Will? I think it rained. Oh, yeah, before the game, of course. So wet field. And hopefully Vanderbilt gets a dry field to play on. That's uh, kind of something they look forward to. But 
that's it, Will. Uh, we got our keys to victory. We got our prediction. All, all that's left now is to watch Vanderbilt Saturday afternoon, 2.30 p.m. Central Time, CBS Sports Network, the Vanderbilt Sports Network, uh, for, for other words, uh, at uh, DeKalb, Illinois, Husky Stadium. It's Vanderbilt and NIU. That'll do it for episode 179. And if you're wondering, sorry, Billy, uh, I have good. put my money where my mouth is. I've put quite a bit of money on Vanderbilt money line. So wow. I, I believe in my prediction. Not just be, not uh, see. I'm trying to limit curse words. So I was going to say I'm not just BSing. Uh, so maybe I'll send out a tweet, but I don't want to. I don't want to uh, disappoint my parents. <laughs> well, I I don't know. I just I'm not as confident. I think Vanderbilt. I think Vanderbilt's going to win this game, but I just I don't know of the margin. Like I'm not confident in my margin. Like it could be one, could be a field goal, could be ten. Like you said, we'll see. I'm I'm excited to see it's not, I'm not as excited as I was for the weight game naturally I mean it's human nature but I'm it's it's Vanderbilt it's Vanderbilt football on a I'm, Saturday I didn't let myself get too up after Hawaii and I'm just not getting too down after Wake Forest I'm giving the same prediction I would have given after the Elon game because I said the Wake Forest game was going to have zero impact on my outlook for the rest of the season either really either direction once it started raining because that game once that rain started coming down like that it was not the same ball game it was just no they, it becomes a different sport like at that point when you it have that relentless like st- yeah this relentless steady type of rain it just turns different the ball is just sliding everywhere you know there's going to be seven or eight balls loose on the ground and fumbles whether or not your team recovers them it's just the grace of god <laughs> there you have it uh will has his keys i've got my keys we've got our predictions we both predicting wins can Vanderbilt pull it off Saturday, 2.30 kicks? Tune in on the CBS Sports Network. You've been listening to episode 179 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.